1: This is the Conquer Local Podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, that you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome Alisa Smith. This is part two of a two-part episode series around accessibility on websites. Elisa is a certified professional in accessibility core competencies. She's AudioEyes accessibility evangelist, a passionate accessibility advocate with 20 years in working in design, development, quality assurance in the digital marketplace. She also spent time in automotive and financial services. Alisa partners with AudioEye Leadership to provide strategic direction to teams who create their accessibility solutions. Now, if you remember last week, we had Tyler Damore. He talked to us about why we should rethink digital accessibility, or maybe think about it for the first time, and why it's becoming so prevalent in our business affairs. This week, Alisa is going to elaborate on how in this two-part series. So get ready, Conquerors. Elisa Smith is coming up next on this week's Conquer Local Podcast. Alisa, welcome to the show. Tyler did a great job explaining last week why digital accessibility is so important. I'm eager to get into what digital accessibility looks like from your lens. We did the what last week, and now we're going to do the how. So let's start off by breaking some misconceptions. What are the most common accessibility misconceptions that you've heard of?
0: Well, it's a pleasure to be here, George. Thanks for having me. Um, I think the most common misconception that, we encounter uh, when speaking or or talking about digital accessibility is really the fact that people with disabilities use the web on a lot of the general populace is not quite clear on the fact that people with disabilities use the internet, that someone who is blind operates their computer. And as a matter of fact, it's probably one of the more helpful technology advancements for people with disabilities in the last 20 years Uh, it means independence it means freedom it means communication with people all over the world it means today being able to work from home it means being able to order your groceries um, all of the things that you know Perhaps, like I said, just 20 years ago might have involved a lot more physical effort, leaving the home, having a helper, having a sighted friend if you're blind, uh, making sure you're getting correct change maybe. Or um, there was a suit uh, not too long ago where someone was using checkout uh, kiosk at a Walmart and... The person who was observing the kiosks took their cash. So it can be risky sometimes for folks to be out and about. That's not to say that it's a terrible thing, but... The web does allow some safeguards in that regard. Well, and I,
1: and I love the stories that you're telling because that really helps me to frame it. I When we were talking to Tyler, he, he told us some stories and he gave us some analogies. And, and, you know, we were, the team here was like, we don't have to look that far in our own inner circle. And we have folks like mm-hmm. this. Actually, I just look at myself because if I don't have these glasses on and I'm not able to increase the font size on your website, I'm probably just going to go spend the money somewhere else because I'm not able to move the transaction forward. So let's talk about that. We're not specifically talking about, you know, the, you know, there's probably a top four or five types of disabilities that we could, we could frame. We're talking about situational um, disabilities as
0: well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are temporary and situational and permanent disabilities, right? So from an auditory aspect, let's say. Someone may be permanently disabled and that they're unable to hear. But somebody may be temporarily disabled uh, in their hearing just by being in a loud place or by being in an office where they have to be quiet. So putting captions on a video isn't just going to help somebody who perhaps can't hear the audio, but it's also going to help Maybe the TV at your local bar has the captions on because you, you know, you can't hear the game commentary when there's 50 people screaming in your ear. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely accessibility can be for everyone. It is not just limited to accommodating people with disabilities.
1: Now, the other thing that I notice when we go through the research that's been done uh, and what my colleague Sean Schroeder, who works on one of our teams, is very the very famous colorblind Vendastian. Um, but that that's an item that comes up. So you know, you're on your website, you're explaining some product or service, and you're talking about the color, and you show a picture. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to get the same experience as a user that isn't
0: colorblind. That falls into this category as well. Absolutely, uh, people with color deficiency, and also think about it as. Um, if you're if you want to put your empathy hat on, um, we love as marketers and in sales and to to come up with creative names for things. A huge, huge trend was to create trendy names for colors. Um, blue isn't blue anymore. It's, you know, blueprint, Or it's uh, there's a red by a a famous nail color company that's called I'm Not Really a Waitress. (laughs) That doesn't tell anybody that it's red, unfortunately. Right. So if I can't see your color swatches, I may not understand that Wanderlust is pink or that, you know, and so on and so on. So yes, color deficiency is is one aspect that um, our swatches and our descriptions and even the color of our links or the color of our error messages might be really important because you might be leaving someone out. And that's another, uh, you know, with color... Uh, it's also so inherent to people's design and it's so important to design and branding that it's important to make sure that when you're choosing your brand colors to make sure they have enough contrast so that somebody maybe with low vision um, has an easy time reading it because gray on white or um, I see a lot of trends now where it's like a tone-on-tone design which looks beautiful but may not be very legible to somebody who has um, issues with color or issues with reading low contrast text. Elisa, this is the conquer local podcast. We got an audience of
1: salespeople. So one of the questions that I wanted, I wanted to ask was, I remember when we were in Thailand here a few years back traveling, one of the decision points when we chose a restaurant was the fact that they had Wi Fi. So we're there and we're making a decision where to spend our money check the reviews. So they had to still have good reviews. There were still some parameters. But on that trip, the fact that we were, you know, we had a problem because we needed to connect and we needed to check our emails and we needed to get our messages and everything else. So we were making our buying decision based on a feature that is (laughs) Wi-Fi accessibility. Do you feel that this type of a solution is something that an SMB a business Mm -hmm. would have a competitive Mm -hmm. advantage to earn more revenue if they adopted this. Like we've talked about all the ways that you could get fined and it's just a bad experience for your customer base and you're excluding people and all those things. But what, what is the economic benefit that you're seeing? Is it something where I made the decision to shop here because of this on the website?
0: Sure. I definitely think it's a differentiating factor, Uh, I also think that one of the reasons for that is simply the buying power of people with disabilities and their friends and family, right? Um, We're talking about worldwide about a billion people. So when you think about adding in their friends, their family, that's about 3.3 billion potential consumers who are going to act on that emotional connection, right? Disability is emotional, Disability is something that um, people sometimes shy away from because it does force them to face their own mortality. But at the same time, that help, that compliance, the core concepts that make websites accessible uh, really speak to, I think, um, disability equity and inclusion efforts, uh, which is a huge trend that is really defining how a lot of organizations hire people, how they how they bring vendors on. Um, if they don't have certain dimensions of those diversity, equity, and inclusion, it can definitely make or break those decisions, not only as pulling on a vendor or a solution like ours but also in somebody making that buying decision on a website right if they see that you have an accessibility statement and you are making you're certifying that you are making effort to make your website more accessible and even calling out where it may be less than accessible and what you're doing to fix it and when it's going to be fixed
1: well I, it's very I, I love what you said when you mentioned that it's actually a 3.3 billion person market. And that is because sure. we're talking about, we got a billion people that fit into this dimension, but they might be the determining factor for the other 2.3 people. Definitely. right? And that, that's Definitely. the way the math works. And just think back to COVID. If you had somebody in your friend group that didn't have a vaccine passport, you did not go to that restaurant. You ate at home. Right. Right. You ordered in maybe from that restaurant, but you didn't go. And we, we heard that from a lot of SMBs where they're like, what happened to all the traffic? Well, it's because we made this decision or that decision, or the government made, like we just saw it happen to us and we can extrapolate that to this opportunity. Question that I have, um, what steps could a business take right now in making their website or digital presence more accessible in your opinion?
0: Uh, I think the, the issue that comes up most often, I, I work with our community of people with disabilities and we actually walk through our client websites with them and get their opinions on our fixes and get their opinions on um, how we're doing, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And in speaking with them, the, the most frequent issue that they encounter are unlabeled buttons, or images that don't have a description that helps them understand the content. If you're putting a button on a website that shows text, ensure that that text is plain text, that it isn't an image of text. And if it is an image of text, you must provide a text alternative so that Anybody accessing your website can use a text-to-speech or use their screen reader, if they're a blind person, to actually perceive and understand that content. It sounds very simple, but you'd be surprised how many unlabeled buttons there are. Again, with images, if you're going to do an evocative image, you chose that image for a reason. If you're a designer you have a feeling you might want to invoke. You might have a description that you are trying to get across with that image. Go ahead and put that information in the text alternative. Don't just describe people walking on the beach. It might be your romantic getaway, which is, which is more evocative than walking on the beach. That's, that's where we're headed is toward quality experiences, just as much as ensuring that just all the information is on the page, is to ensure that there's an equivalent experience. So as I mentioned, describing images, uh, describing and labeling buttons. Uh, th- I think the other very important thing is using headings to organize information. People with disabilities can then scan that page, whether they're using uh, assistive technology or not, you're supporting people who use screen readers because they can actually jump heading by heading by heading down the page with their tools, which is not something that we can even do as, as, as a user of just a plain keyboard and a mouse, but we can visually scan down the page and see those large organizational headings, that hierarchy on the page that allows us to drill into the information we want, the reason that we're on the website. So that to me are are probably the three things, buttons, uh, image, description, and organizing your pages with headings, I think are three real big ones.
1: Well, we appreciate that checklist. And for our listeners, if you're going through that checklist going, I failed all three of those. Um... Alisa is our accessibility evangelist, and we've had a great discussion understanding this more with you and your colleague, Tyler, over the last couple of weeks. So if our listeners would like more information or are interested in working with AudioEye, how can they connect with you? And we're excited to announce that AudioEye is now in the Vendasta marketplace, but we'd love to learn more about your solution and understand this space. I, I've been riveted by these conversations because it's not something that I'd really considered.
0: Well, our, our website is uh, at audioi.com. We also um, have recently posted um, an accessible web design guide uh, that might be helpful to uh, our listeners here. And that's at audioi.com slash post accessible dash web dash design.
1: Great. And we'll put that link in the show notes for our listeners to be able to learn more about this very important space. Now, this is, um, listen, there's definitely a revenue opportunity here for sure, because Mm -hmm. this is a problem that needs to be solved. But at the same time, this is an important issue that we need to get solved for our, maybe our current customers that might go through some of that situational, or you're missing out on business because you don't have this experience for a customer that does have a disability. So thanks for educating us and, and uh, showing us how your solution solves this. I'm very excited to watch our channel partners bring this to market in the coming months. And Elisa, you you are more lovely than Tyler, but you guys are fantastic. And we're really looking forward to working with you and your, your uh, professional organization. I think it's going to be a great partnership.
0: Thanks so much, George. It's been a pleasure to be here. I uh, can't wait to see Vendasta folks picking it up.
1: There are 1 billion people worldwide that have disabilities where digital accessibility is a real hindrance to purchasing, not to mention their circles, which will be influenced by the experience an organization gives that person with disabilities. I'm so glad that Elisa covered that in that episode. If you're looking at about 3.3 billion people that consider digital accessibility when involving themselves with organizations, that's a big chunk of the market. Three quick wins to reduce barriers to entry in your digital presence, label your buttons, organize your content by having clear, distinct headings, and include text descriptions on all of your images. While doing this, remember, it's not about getting all of the information, but it's about creating an equivalent experience for that audience. If you liked Elisa's episode discussing creating digital accessibility, let's continue the conversation by checking out episode 411, the channel software tech stack with the great Jay McBain. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach, Executive Producers Brendan King, George Leith and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.